Hello, everybody, and welcome into episode number 227 of the Bible 2021 podcast. We are reading 1 Corinthians chapter 12 today, and our focus is on one of my very favorite things to teach about and talk about, and that is what are spiritual gifts and why did God give them to the church? So every day we read through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Our goal is to encourage you in daily Bible reading, daily Bible obeying, daily Bible thinking. And I want to point you to our website, Bible2021.com. That's Bible2021. Every episode of the show, every daily episode has its own article on the site with basically every word I say, every quote I use, every scripture reference we talk about. So if you want to read up more or find out more, just check out Bible2021.com and think about sharing that website and sharing the show with your friends. So the longest and deepest teaching on spiritual gifts is found in our next few chapters, 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. And the very first verse that leads off this section is crucial. Paul writes, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be unaware. So some translations say ignorant there. In other words, Paul doesn't want us to be ignorant instead of unaware. So here are chapters in the Bible that are written by Paul under the direct inspiration of the Holy Spirit to keep us from being ignorant and unaware about spiritual gifts. And a careful reading of these chapters will teach us all about what spiritual gifts are, why God gave them to the church, and what sort of use they have. The Holy Spirit, through Paul, does not want us to be ignorant or without understanding of spiritual gifts. And to put it in a simple and positive way, he wants us to understand. So Tim Keller gives a very simple and accurate definition of spiritual gifts when he says, Gifts are abilities God gives us to meet the needs of others in Christ's name. Systematic theology professor Wayne Grudem says, that a spiritual gift is any ability that is empowered by the Holy Spirit and used in any ministry of the church. And Pastor Sam Storms has a book on spiritual gifts, and he gives us a definition that says, A spiritual gift is a God-given and therefore gracious capacity to serve the body of Christ. It is a divinely empowered or spiritually energized potential to minister to the body of Christ by communicating the knowledge, power, and love of Jesus. Now, I love all of those definitions, and I've written pretty extensively on spiritual gifts uh, on my website, chaseathompson.com, and we talked about it a lot last year on the Bible Reading Podcast at biblereadingpodcast.com, and here's my definition of spiritual gifts for what it's worth. Spiritual gifts are various supernatural empowerments of grace given to Christians by the Holy Spirit to be used to build up others and point them to Jesus. My definition highlights what I believe to be the four most critical components of what the Bible says about spiritual gifts. Number one, spiritual gifts are supernatural. That is to say, they are above normal in their source and in their empowerment. They're not natural talents or something that we've practiced really, really hard so we get good at. They are supernatural capabilities. Number two, spiritual gifts are gifts of grace. They're not earned on the basis of merit or always given to people of great character. Indeed, some of the more gifted people in the body of Christ can sometimes be among the least mature, and some of the seemingly 
lesser gifted people might be possessed of loads of spiritual maturity. I note here that the word used for spiritual gifts in passages like today, 1 Corinthians 12, 4, 12, 9, 12, 28, 12, 30, 31, and Romans chapter 5 is the Greek word charismata, which is the word for gift or gracious gift. Number three, spiritual gifts are from the Holy Spirit. He is the source. In 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11, Paul writes no less than six times that spiritual gifts are directly given by the Holy Spirit and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Finally, number four, the ultimate purpose of spiritual gifts are to build others up and to help them glorify God. They are to build other believers up. I'm quite sure that God uses spiritual gifts for a variety of purposes, but it would seem that the two primary ones involve building up and maturing other believers and bringing great glory to God. Paul challenges the Corinthians, who were very interested in spiritual gifts, to be sure to focus on, quote, gifts that build up the church, 1 Corinthians 14, 12. And then, while discussing spiritual gifts, notes in Ephesians 4, 16 that the entire body of Christ is built up and grows via the proper working of each individual part. Peter, writing on spiritual gifts in 1 Peter 4, indicates that the ultimate result of people ministering in their individual gifts, in other words, serving with the strength of God, speaking the words of God, will be that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. So why did God give his church spiritual gifts? Well, in the simplest way possible, Paul explains it in today's passage. In verse 7, a manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. These gifts are given to the church for the common good. In other words, these gifts are to benefit everybody in the church and build them up. The Holy Spirit's gifts to his church are meant to edify encourage, mature, strengthen, and build up the body of Christ. Consider the following parable. Three animal friends went to school to learn how to better be contributing citizens of the forest and to be well-rounded in a variety of animal skills. Mr. Eagle came into the school with a large amount of confidence but was constantly in trouble with his teachers because he tended to fly to the top of trees rather than climb them as he was supposed to in his climbing class. In addition, He struggled greatly with swimming, and he really wasn't good at all at running. Three semesters into school, he was a dropout and felt guilty for years when he would try and spread his wings and fly. Unlike Mr. Eagle, Mrs. Squirrel was an excellent climber, made straight A's in every climbing-focused class, and was also a standout at running. She was weak, however, at swimming and could not master flying at all. She barely graduated, but her years of swimming and flying training never actually came in handy in any of her future endeavors. Mr. Turtle came into school with great anticipation as one who excelled at swimming. For two semesters in a row, Mr. Turtle was the school's top-rated swimmer, although he wasn't very good at running, and he was even worse at climbing. In fact, he was a catastrophe at climbing. Unfortunately, as bad as Mr. Turtle was at running and climbing, he was horrifyingly bad at flying, and ultimately was forced to leave school due to multiple near-fatal flying injuries. It would be years before he would fully recover, and some time after that before he could take any joy in swimming again. 
Well, maybe you see through the parable. Eagles are meant to fly, and they are at their most effective when they are flying. Squirrels, on the other hand, are gifted at climbing and running, but they're weak swimmers. While turtles excel at swimming in little else, eagles, squirrels, and turtles are at their best when they are doing the things they are most gifted at. Christians are similar. According to the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 12, 7, Every follower of Jesus is equipped with at least one spiritual gift. At its most basic, this means that every believer has at least one area spiritually where God has gifted them supernaturally to excel, to be fruitful, and glorify Christ with their lives. And I believe on our next episode, actually it will be not next episode, but the one after that, because we're going to talk about 1 Corinthians 13 tomorrow. I believe in our episode in two days, we are going to discuss how you can know what your spiritual gift is. Well, let's read our chapter and listen to its truths. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you used to be enticed and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. And there are different activities, but the same God works all of them in each person. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. To one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit, to another a message of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the performing of miracles, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. One and the same Spirit is active in all of these, distributing to each person as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that body, though many are one body, so also is Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all given one Spirit to drink. Indeed, the body is not one part, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Or again, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that are weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we consider less honorable, we clothe these with greater honor. And our unrespectable parts are treated with greater respect, which our respectable parts do not need. Instead, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable, so that there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. So if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it, and God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, next miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, leading, various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all do miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But 
desire the greater gifts, and I will show you an even better way. Amen. And tomorrow we're going to talk about that even better way, and I'll go ahead and give you a preview because our Bible memory verses for the month of August are in tomorrow's chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 6. Love is patient, love is kind. Love does not envy, is not boastful, is not arrogant, is not rude, is not self-seeking, is not irritable, and does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Amen. Well, may your weekend be soaked in the love of Christ, and may it emanate out of you. Good day to you, friends, and Godspeed.